Welcome to episode 36 of the Social Screenwriters Podcast. I am your host, Andy Compton, and today on the show we have a very special guest. Her name is Brandy Sperry. Brandy is a screenwriter of both TV and features, and she even blended the two by writing a TV movie called Taken in Montana, which recently premiered on Lifetime. She also hosts a podcast of her own called Piece of Work, on which I was recently a guest. So if you want to, after you listen to this episode, go back and listen to her podcast on Apple Podcasts, Piece of Work, and find the Andy Compton episode and listen to me blabber, if you want to. Um, but yeah, before we get into the episode, I do just want to say, I know I was gone for a little bit. It's been a while. That Sam Watson episode has been up for a while. It's a great episode, so I hope that you got to listen to that in the absence. I've just been crazy busy. Um, You know, I've told you guys a few times now that some friends of mine and I dedicated ourselves to making four short films in four months, and we are coming up on the last film. Three of them are in the can and in post, Um And it's just been a lot of work and like so much that like, I'm like for real, like getting sick, I think from just like overworking myself. Um, But it's almost through. We're almost at the finish line. We go into production today is October 10th on, we go into production October 26th and it's a four day shoot through the 29th. Um, I just got to get to that, get the movie in the can and then sleep for like a week and then start figuring out all this post-production stuff that we're in. But um, that's where I've been. I've been really, really just plugging away at that. Oh, I think this is my first episode since the WGA strike resolved. So that's awesome. Congrats to everyone who is going to benefit from that. And a big thank you, of course, to everyone who sacrificed their time and their feet and their shoes by walking out on the picket lines day after day. Um, you know, I'm a guy in Missouri, St. Louis, Missouri. We didn't really have pickets here, but you know, as someone who aspires to be in the WGA someday, I just really, really appreciate anyone who was out there, um, helping not only yourselves, but also helping people like me, you know, have a future in the guild, uh, that's fair in the industry. So a big thank you for that. And a big, you know, celebration for that. It's really awesome. Um, hopefully SAG will resolve their strike very soon and things will just kind of get back to a sense of normalcy. But, um, you know, for the, in the meantime, we're all supporting SAG the same way that SAG supported us. Um, guys, if you want to donate to the show, you can, I really appreciate anytime someone donates. I'm a very broke filmmaker in Missouri and it means a lot. These things do take a little bit of time to, you know, record the interviews and edit them and put them out and do the promo and stuff. So any little bit helps, you know, you can go to the social screenwriters podcast socials at Twitter or Instagram at social writer pod, and you can leave me a donation. Um, there's a link in the link tree link that leads to a PayPal link. It's all legit. You can leave me a little something there if you want to. If not, if you can't afford it, all good. I know what that's like. I hope you enjoy the episode anyway. Um, 
that's all I got, guys. Um, I just really appreciate everyone sticking it out and still listening, even when I go on like entire month long or two month long hiatuses. I don't love doing it, but sometimes life gets so busy and, you know, it's just something that has to be done. And, you know, whenever you notice that an episode hasn't come around in a while, go look at the backlog. I do that on all my favorite podcasts. I'll go listen to old episodes and be like, oh, shit, I forgot how good this is. So, um, yeah, you know, that's how I talk about my own podcast. I forgot how good this is. I'm great. Um, anyway, guys, let's go ahead and hop into this episode with Brandy Sperry. Brandy Sperry, how are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I've been having a pretty chaotic couple of days right now, just like with a project that's going on right now that's kind of like hitting some some waves. Mm-hmm. Um, but doing good. Nothing, nothing too crazy. So it's uh, it's holding together. But yeah, hanging in there. Um, I'm really happy to have you here. Uh, right off the top, I will say for people listening that Brandy also does a screenwriting filmmaking podcast called Piece of Work that I was just a guest on like three days ago. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that it came out. That it came out. Yes. Yeah, but yeah, it's my, also it's other kinds of writing too. I've interviewed like essayists and short story writers and stuff too. So anything oh, okay. really, yeah. Cool, good to know. Okay, um, yeah. So if you're into that stuff, and or if you just want to hear me blabber because you know who I am because you listen to the podcast, you can check that out. Piece of work. It's on Apple Podcasts. All right. So I'm going to start by doing a thing that I do to all my guests lately, where I it's an awkward thing. I like to put you in the hot seat, and you did it to me too. Uh, mm-hmm. I want to read your bio back to you in person and just make you sit through that. <laughs> All right. So uh, Brainy Sperry writes across several genres, always creating female driven stories in diverse worlds. Her work includes the YA horror pilot Haven Hall, selected for the 2020 Write Her list and the feature comedy script Like Family, co-written with her sister, Shauna Sperry, announced at the 2020 Sundance Film Festival as a selection for the annual Glad list. Most recently, she wrote the TV movie Taken in Montana, which premiered on Lifetime on September 9th, 2023. Guys, today is September 19th, 2023. So we are 10 days out from your (laughs) film premiering on Lifetime. How Mm -hmm. has it been so far? Good. It was really weird. Um, I didn't get a chance to watch it or anything before I was watching it, like with my friends. Oh, wow. Um, Nerve wracking, huh? Yes. Uh, I think it turned out pretty well. I mean, it's a, it's a lifetime thriller. It's a, it was a really fun genre to dive into. I'd never really written anything like that. There were a lot of rules to follow about like where the act breaks had to come. And then they were like, Oh, and by the way, no guns. And I was like, this is set amongst like hunters, but okay. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's really Um, interesting to me. Everybody got a cross bro. Everybody got a crossbow or a really uh, big knife. Those sick. were okay. Um, but yeah, it was, it's kind of funny. I remember when we were talking on my podcast, you were saying about being like a control freak and I've never, never wanted to be a director until mm. I watched something that I wrote that someone else directed, So funny. <laughs> which is like no slight whatsoever on what came out, but it was For just sure. like, there were like changes made where I'm just like, I'm never going to know why they did it that way. Yeah. <laughs> Yep. Yeah, I'm never ever gonna know. I mean, that's the nature of it too. Like you said, it's not a slight. It's just that you're obviously two different brains, you're two different minds, and it's amazing how 
two brains will take the same script and always have a different vision. Mm -hmm. Um, No two people are ever going to have the same exact vision. So it's like, you're like, I wrote this, I replayed this movie in my brain so many times to myself. And then when you see, it's that thing they say of when you make a film, you make three films, the one that you write, the one that you actually shoot, and then the one that you edit. Mm -hmm. Um, Which is so true because I, you know, even on the short film level, I've written scenes that I see in my head and I'm like, this is exactly how it's going to be and it's going to be so cool. And then you get to the location and you're like, oh, why is the lighting different? Or why is this backdrop not how I thought it was going to be? Or why can't we frame it the way I thought we could in my brain? Um, Just dumb stuff like that. You know, it just it happens. It's it's always going to be different from script to screen or I guess brain to screen. Cool. Okay. So before I get too off track, right at the beginning of the podcast, I'd like to just go back so everyone can kind of know how Brandy Sperry got to this point in your career. So uh, Brandy, how did you get into screenwriting? Mm, um, always wanted to be a writer of some kind. I was definitely that obnoxious child who was like making her cousins put on plays and shit mm. like that. Mm-hmm. Um, very much in a raised by the TV kind of household, just always aware of that. And when I was mm-hmm. thinking about this question, I was really like, you know, sometimes you hear people be like, I never even realized that being a writer was a job. And mm-hmm. I'm like, I always knew that. And I think it was because of Turner classic movies, because really? this was like before DVD commentaries were ubiquitous. You know, when I was a little kid mm-hmm. before like IMDb, all of that on Turner classic movies, the host Robert Osborne would come on before and after every movie and give you little facts about like the making of the movie. Mm-hmm. And so there's like, nine or ten year old brandy being like oh ben hecht like he sounds cool anita loose she sounds cool like knowing these like classic screenwriters names when i was really young yeah and then i was also fucking obsessed with the princess bride Mm -hmm. um and Mm -hmm. that screenwriter william goldman of course wrote several books about being a screenwriter which Mm -hmm. which i read which i think were supposed to be you know more like cautionary tales and uh cautionary tales don't work on people who actually want to do this (laughs) yeah they don't yeah i have a a copy of adventures in the screen trade right over here yeah and so then i then i think his were the first like actual screenplays that i read too like that you could get like a book of that included like the princess bride and butch cassidy and i don't remember what else but um and he's someone who really wrote across genres too so maybe that was where my initial inspiration was too um Anyway, I went to college in Minnesota uh, at a small liberal arts place called McAllister College mm-hmm. and studied creative writing, but there wasn't like a film program. Um, and then I moved back to Seattle for a while. And then I finally took the plunge to move to L.A. when I was very much like, what am I doing with my life? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Which so it was a long journey even to get to the start of the journey, basically. Yeah. Yeah. How long <laughs> have you been in L.A. now? Like 10 years. 10 years. Um, and when I first moved here again, I thought I wanted to be a comedy writer. I was writing with a partner at the time who then decided she did not want to move to LA and be a screenwriter after I was mm-hmm. already here. Um, <laughs> so that was a very like cool. dark night of the soul kind of. <laughs> yeah. What do I do? <laughs> kind of, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so that was when I started like writing different things. And so sometimes when I'm hard on myself, I have to look back at the actual timeline and be like, I didn't actually start writing the stuff that would be like my portfolio, the things that would get me a manager, the things that would get me meetings and jobs until like six years ago, you yeah. know? So I had all these years of being a writer, but I was not writing the right thing. I just wasn't. Yeah. Yeah. 
Interesting. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the reasons that I love having a writer like you on who has done played in a few sandboxes along the way. And like, cause you know, I don't know. I just think it's comforting for writers. And I feel like a lot of people who listen to my podcast are either where we are, you know, like starting to knock on the door and get some stuff done or very early in -hmm. their career. And I think it's just comforting to hear, like, if you're going through a frustration, like I wrote three drama scripts and nothing's happening. Do I just suck as a writer? It's like, or I'm feeling like maybe I want to write a horror, but I'm so committed to drama already. It's like, drop all those commitments. Like you really have to just keep experimenting as like an artist basically and Mm -hmm. uh, figuring out what works for you. But like, there's been times along my journey where I've been like, am I just like broken? Like, do I just (laughs) like, am I just going to keep like dabbling in things and not finding something I truly love? And I, I think it's, it's, you know, some people find their lane and stick with it and that's great. But I think for some people, you know, it's like you got to keep like re-stimulating your brain and trying new things. And maybe that's like how a Jordan Peele, you know, did his thing of comedy, comedy, comedy his whole life and then horror now. Um, uh, Zach Kreger, who just directed the movie Barbarian, kind of did a similar thing from Whitest Kids You Know to Barbarian. Um, But yeah, it's uh, even like Jennifer Kent, if the woman Mm -hmm. who directed The Babadook, did you see her second feature? Oh my God, it's so fucking good. Yeah, Yeah, it's so good, so Mm -hmm. devastating, but it's such a different tone than The Babadook. Mm -hmm. And um, so there you go, even from movie one to movie two, I wonder how her reps felt about that, about like you just made such huge waves with The Babadook. Everyone wants to see you do the next big horror thing. And she's like, nope. Yeah, um, no, I'm really going to, what I want, I want to throw a baby into a fire in my next one. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, 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 right. Absolutely devastating. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think like for <clears> my <throat> managers, when they signed me, they had read Haven Hall that you mentioned in the bio. Yeah, um, which was why a horror pilot. Yes, like a yep. supernatural. It was, it's about a okay. haunted boarding school, basically. Cool. Um, and then they had read... Another pilot I have called The Mission, which is about like a space colony. Okay. And so they knew that I wrote both of those things. Um, mm-hmm. And when we were talking about like, not, I don't know if they ever actually used the word brand with me, but they mm-hmm. wanted me to write a bio that would like sell who I am as a person. So mm-hmm. like the short bio that I gave you is just like an intro with like credits. Right. But like, yeah. I have a longer one that has like, you know, more about who I am as a person and what I do as a writer, mm-hmm. um, where we really focused on the themes that I like to explore because I yeah. found that there was like um, definitely a pattern there, like more of a pattern with theme than there was with genre. Mm-hmm. And I'm super, I'm just super fucking into theme. And every time yeah. one of my friends is having a hard time with a script, I'm just like, what's the theme? What's the, you know, what, what dramatic question are you asking? Cause I don't, mm-hmm. I don't think you necessarily have to have some like, you know, answer to the question, but like mm-hmm. you should have a question at the core of your story and every character that you have in the story should be designed <clears throat> to have a different opinion about what that question is. That's my like philosophy. Totally. Yeah. Um, and I know I didn't like invent that, but that's like the, that's, you know, the, path that I've chosen to walk down as a writer. That's like my altar as a writer. (laughs) It's a fantastic starting point for your story. And maybe, you know, just early, I'm not saying you start with it every time, but it's great, necessary early question to ask. The other day I was on a walk. I'm years into screenwriting now. 
and I have revisited the script notes episode, how to write a movie, which is just Craig Mazin. Uh, it's a oh, 45 minute, you, you know like the episode? <laughs> yeah, yeah. This yeah. was like, honestly, mm -hmm. yeah, my fifth time, maybe sixth time. And, uh, and he talked about that, you know, the dramatic question. And I was, I'm kind of putting together an outline right now for a new feature. And I've heard that like five or six times now. I've read that in books. I've been reminded of it here and there. But then you just forget. I don't know. I guess our brains can only remember so much. And he's talking about it. And it's like the first time I've heard it all again. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's like a big thing I should be focusing on right now is the dramatic mm -hmm. question I'm asking and taking a stance uh, yep. with one of the characters and then having challenges to that. And you're right. There doesn't need to be a full proof answer. It could be, you know, um, our your dramatic question could be, are humans causing climate change? And you mm -hmm. could have all those voices in the script, you know, and it, it could be a metaphor for that, of course. I mean, like, don't look up uh, was kind of that. Um, but yeah, it's like, it's just hilarious to me how much I have to relearn the same lessons uh, years into writing. I have a, a bachelor's degree in screenwriting and I still find myself like watching YouTubes on the absolute basics. And I'm like, oh, yeah. That's right. I forgot about mm -hmm. that. I need to integrate that into my outline. Maybe that's why I'm stalling so much. It's like the foundation of your script is so important. And that dramatic question thing is always like such a great foundational thing to establish mm -hmm. early. But I think like the foundation is very important, right? But I don't think mm -hmm. the foundation comes first. Like if we're going to like run with a house metaphor, like yeah all the blueprints come first and you can mm -hmm. redo those as many times as you want. So like, for me, I like to like, I, like I'll usually have a concept pop into my head. Like the last script I wrote, last pilot I wrote that we like, you know, took out on the town and pitched to people and I had a showrunner attached to it. And it was like the, it was like the biggest thing that I had done up until I actually did something that got made. Mm -hmm. Um, but the it just started with a conversation with friends while we were like sitting around and we were talking about past lives. And I was like, you know, all, I just don't, I think it's such a fascinating concept, but like all of the various things about it are, you know, it's usually like lovers through time, romance, nonsense. And I'm like, I want to get into like the like big questions, like what would happen? What would happen if we knew we were coming back? And that yeah. was like the start of my um, pilot totality, which is about not one person remembering their past lives, but everybody on the planet remembering their past lives mm, <laughs> and what yeah. happens once we know definitively that that's what happens after we die. You just come back again. Um, yeah, that's interesting. I had, So, uh, I mean, that was like such a big concept and I had to like, there was a million different things I could have done with that, right? Uh -huh. I had to whittle it down. It took a really, really long time to actually come up with like a story to tell inside of mm -hmm. a world with that concept. Mm -hmm. So I let myself go in like any direction and I didn't really worry too much about, you know, any other foundational element besides a concept. Yeah. So I don't know. Maybe that is the foundational element. Maybe I've come back around to exactly what you're saying. Maybe. Well, <laughs> maybe no, no, no. Because like, <laughs> I get it though. Cause like, I I don't know. I guess my like overarching point that I was making is it's hilarious how like no matter how many scripts you write and how much you think you know about this shit, like I always just come back to the the idea of like, oh, my God, every script is so unique and every process of starting something new is so unique that it's like, I don't know, um, everyone is its own journey. Like the, no mm -hmm. two scripts are the same. And sometimes you have to do a little more exploration within the concept. 
Um, sometimes, you know, that dramatic question right off the bat, this is what I want to write about. And the concept comes right away. That's like the perfect amount of irony, uh, to place into that concept, or sometimes it's a character. Um, but it's just amazing to me how, like, no matter how much I think I know about it, I always come back around to like, oh yeah, I don't know shit every time. Like you just, you're always relearning the craft. And I feel like, I just wonder how, you know, like very, very experienced screenwriters well into their career. I would love to hear them talk about like, you know, do you ever just go back and read Save the Cat? You know, do you you do that? Cause I, I do it almost every script. And like, I listen to the, how to write a movie episode of script notes that, came out when you were 40 years into your career. Um, but I don't know. It's just, it's, it's really interesting, but I feel like I'm always like having to go back and relearn those things. Um, all right. So you mentioned that um, your reps, your manager didn't ask you about your brand um, whenever they signed you. Not that I remember. Like, I remember that they were like, we're going to need a bio. And Mm -hmm. it was right. It was, oh God, it was late February, 2020. So they were in their minds very much like, we're going to send you out for pilot season. Here's a Dropbox of all the pilots. Read these. Like, it was so exciting. Uh, Um, (laughs) And then of course we know, we know what happened. So I feel like they were, they were less concerned at that moment of like what my long-term brand was going to be and more just like, let's get you in front of some people so you can learn how to take a meeting basically. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Not that they thought I was necessarily going to get staffed in that season, like especially at a staff writer level, but like Mm -hmm. they're, they're very action oriented. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So um, I don't remember talking to them about, about a brand at all. And then also then I had to be like, Oh, I have these other scripts that I wrote that are, feature comedies that I wrote with my sister and have absolutely nothing to do with the stuff I write on my own. And they were just like, cool, send it over. We'll take a look. You know? Yeah. 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 Okay. Well, since I already kind of like, I'm actually, I have a list of questions here, listeners that I send to all my guests. So they know they're not going to get a curveball. Um, but, and the one (laughs) that I'm going to quit asking now is, how would you describe your brand? Because now I'm reading bios and the last three guests have been like, yeah, it's, I mean, you know, it's that thing you read like 10 minutes ago, basically. And they have to repeat it. And I'm like, I need to cut this fucking question. So instead of that though, I do have a replacement. I want to know, cause okay. you're the first person I know who has co-written things with their sibling. Mm. So tell me, because I know you wrote your comedy feature like family with your sister, Shauna. Yes. Um, and so how did that come about? Did you guys grow up writing together, talking movies, loving movies as kids? Um, how did that start? No, I mean, she is a video game writer and she lives in okay. Seattle and she had written some stuff like she she wrote like a memoir and some other like comedic stuff. Like it was mm-hmm. a very funny memoir. Um, never got punished, but she has a bunch of stuff on her blog that's like very funny. Um yeah from years ago when blogs were a thing. Um, But I never knew that she had any interest in screenwriting. I knew she did her own kind of writing. And then she Mm -hmm. basically just pitched me the idea for the script one day and was like, I think we should write it together. Mm -hmm. And I was uh, a little trepidatious about that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But um, we decided to write it together. And I was probably pretty obnoxious at times in the process because I was very like, let me teach you everything I've learned about how to be a screenwriter. Yeah, I would be the same way. Is she Uh younger or older? She's a year and a half younger than me. So 
close, but we still definitely have the like older younger sister dynamic. For sure. Um but the I mean the thing was it was also weird for me to go back to train write a comedy after so long, but it actually worked really well. Shauna has the weirdest fucking sense of humor. Mm-hmm. And I'm really good at writing like, you know, a one-liner, some banter, whatever. But I just can't, I can't come up with the sequences that she mm-hmm. would pitch to me. Like the like mm-hmm. just weird ass comic stuff where it would be like the beat in the script says like, the here's an example, like, the gang has to scalp tickets to the football game. And the next thing I know, Sean is like, okay, so they're down some dark alley and they meet a guy in a bird mask and he has the tickets in the cage and they have to answer his like riddles three. And I'm like, what are we putting in the script? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But I will go with it. I will go with it because you feel strongly about it. And then people yeah. will think it's the funniest thing they've ever read. And I'm just like, it is really funny. I just, I never could have come up with that. Right. So and then I would be the one coming back to like, okay, and then what do we throw in here? How do we like make sure that this works for like the character arc yep. and all of those things? That's a, that's a great blend. Mm-hmm. Honestly, one person who comes with the absurdity and one person mm-hmm. who grounds it and you meet in the middle. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it was really fun. And um, we <laughs> threw it up on the blacklist. This was before I had managers, um, you know, it did really well. I got some eights, it trended and stuff. And oh, then cool. we didn't. We didn't even real realize that it had been submitted for the um, glad list thing. That was like through a black, I think a blacklist reader submitted us for it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think we ever would have submitted ourselves for that. Cause it's like, it's for like LGBTQ plus inclusive scripts, which it sure. is, but like we are two straight women mm-hmm. and the scripts protagonist is straight, but it's mm-hmm. kind of like an ensemble romantic comedy. And there is like a, a big storyline with a lesbian couple. Mm-hmm. And so I guess that was part of what they were looking to include on the list was just like, you know, everyday stories rather than mm-hmm. like things that were, you know, capital A about being right. queer. Right, right, right. Um, right. And that was how we got in. <laughs> that's so, so was that yeah. a, sh- I mean, I'm sure that was a shock and there would be a it part was. of me that's like, why did you guys give us why this. did you why did you give oh, yeah. us this yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, thank you but why was right, definitely right, 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 where right. we were um right, right and they're and then they're emailing us being like any chance you're gonna be at sundance and i'm like no there's no chance i'm gonna be at sundance uh, but like thank you for announcing the script and stuff and you know it sounds cool in the bio to say that it was announced at sundance and all absolutely of that. yeah um, yeah that's yeah some good clout we need that yeah and so we actually, we, no, nothing's ever really come of that script yet, but um, we actually did like a rewrite of it last year um, when my managers were like, the comedy market is looking less sad than it did. So uh-huh. maybe uh-huh. we could send it out. Maybe I, I think, I hope we're still planning to send it out after the strike. Yeah. I mean, comedy's doing well right now. Um, I, well, it's the box office is what it is. It's it hasn't been great to some of these comedies, but like the sheer amount of comedies coming out right now, it's like, oh shit! All right, we're seeing a comeback. Yeah, which yeah. is exciting. So hopefully it's exciting. you can get picked up in that wave. Yeah, it's particularly exciting for Shauna, who also has started screenwriting on her own, not just with me, and is pretty very much like a pure comedy writer. Like her uh-huh. last feature comedy, um, got her into a blacklist lab too. Oh, cool. Um, and like, you know, she's she's making making waves on her own on the side now that I've, you know, taught her everything I know and pushed her out into the world. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sick. <laughs> That's awesome. I love that. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
Cool. Okay, so let's dive into you as an actual writer, your writing process, mm-hmm. how you get it done. So since everyone's routine is unique, can you describe your regular writing routine to me? Like, do you like to write in the morning or at night? Do you write at home in a coffee shop? Um, mm-hmm. What's it usually like when you sit down to write? I have two different routines. There's mm-hmm. the I'm on a deadline routine and there's the I'm not on a deadline routine. Uh, so, fair. Um, I, I, I have a day job still, so I have to work around that. Um, mm-hmm. And I am a night owl. So usually if I have something I'm needing to get done, it's very like get off work at 530, take a couple hours for like dinner and rest and then mm-hmm. hit hit back at it at like eight or mm-hmm. even later than that. But I mm-hmm. and for like three or four hours. Yeah. Um, I'm not somebody who can get a lot done in like half an hour. Like I'm not one of these people who's like catching a little bit here or there. Like I need a chunk of time. Me too. 20 minutes, 20 minutes is absolutely useless to me. It's going to take at least that long to like get even figure out what I'm thinking about. Right. Um, so what I actually prefer to do if I'm just working on a spec and I can take as long as I want is to not really write at all during the week, just like percolate and then hold one full weekend day, usually Sunday to just like write the whole day. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. When, when, when you write that whole day, do you set like a page count goal or anything? No. Um, and I know that I'm going to take a lot of breaks and stuff, but yeah. it just like, like the mentally knowing that I will have nothing else I need to do that day. Like I won't even like have like laundry or anything going on Yeah, like that just like helps me be like, I have all day. I have all yep. day, you yep. know, definitely. definitely <laughs> um, and yeah. even if I don't actually start like cranking out good work until late in the day, it doesn't feel like a panic. Like it just feels like, well, that's okay. We're just going to let it come when it comes, you know? Yeah. Totally. Yep. Yeah. That's how I am to my own detriment though. I definitely have the ADHD thing going on where I'm like, "Ah, I'll do it later. I got time. I got time. And then it's like 10 and I'm like, yeah, I guess I'll start working on some stuff now, (laughs) even though like I should be winding down for the day. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I, I, I just want to feel good about myself. So I got to get some done, but we're similar in that way. I'm a night owl. Um, Like eight o'clock. I like get a second wind every day. Oh, completely. It's 758 right now. So in two minutes, me and Brandy are about to just start really diving into this podcast. <laughs> it's only it's only six o'clock for me. So oh shit, I'm that's right. Yeah. T- yeah. You took my uh my rest time today. So I hope oh, you're happy. I am happy about that for I don't know what reason. <laughs> I'm just sadistic. Okay, cool. So um so then yeah, you might have mentioned this. Um, do you usually ride at home? Like, is that exclusive? Yeah, like I used to, but in the before days, like meet friends at a coffee shop and things on the weekend, I would just never get anything done. And honestly, Mm -hmm. if I'm going to overshare, like I like to write in bed. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Seriously. Yeah. That is, that is my preferred place to write uh, is just lounging in bed. So. Yeah, I like it too. Stack the pillows up behind mm-hmm. me, lean against the wall. Oh, it's a great move. It's great. I love it. I mean, my back's going to hate me in like 10 years, but it's actually way more comfortable than my kitchen table. So I know. Yeah. Sometimes I'm right with like the laptop on my chest and my neck just in the yeah, world, like, like a chiropractor a would be like, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah. Like, dude, don't do that for even a minute. 
<laughs> I'm yeah. like, I'm going to do it for three hours. Uh, yeah. And then I'm yeah. going to be like, oh my God. And I'll do like, I'll like get in a zone too sometimes. And then all of a sudden three hours have passed and one of my legs is asleep and I didn't notice. And like all of these yeah. things where yeah. it's just yeah. like, what yeah. just happened? You know, right. but I'm going to be I'm one of those like, people who dies from a blood clot in their leg because they were just lazy <laughs> all day. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, I guess Saddest I should get up and out. fucking stretch so I don't die. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. All right. Um, that's hilarious. Okay. So let's talk about your process. Um, so you have a brand new idea. Mm-hmm. What is the first thing that you do? Do you like to start an outline? Do you re- like to write a log line? Do you like to write a title? I'm weird about really wanting a title um, and a log line. Uh, or do you just start writing pages? usually don't have a title or a log line until later in the process. Um, mm-hmm. I, I really like writing log lines. I think they're really fun to do mm-hmm. a little bit later in the process to just be like, okay, how am I crystallizing this? Like, For sure. um, but my process is basically to just like open up a document and start thought dumping into it, mm-hmm. literally writing to myself, like literally typing the words, what if this, Maybe this could happen like 40 times. There'll be the word maybe in there. Maybe this, Mm -hmm. maybe that Mm -hmm. until I don't have any more thoughts. And then I'll run back through it and start deleting and rearranging and changing things until it starts to form like a prose outline. Like at that point, I'm not really thinking about scenes or, you know, the bigger structure that much. It's more Mm -hmm. like just prose telling the story and character stuff and dialogue if it comes to me, but like whatever, whatever I need to put in there. Um, and usually when that gets to a point where you can actually tell what the story is going to be, I will show it to my writer's group and be mm-hmm. like, is this a thing? Mm-hmm. Um, and if they're like, yes, this is a thing, uh, then I will dump that entire document into fade in and start chunking out scenes with slug lines. Mm-hmm. Um, so mm-hmm. What's fun about that is you just went from zero pages to 20 pages immediately yeah, <laughs> in, the, yeah, in your yeah. actual script draft. Yeah. Um, and this is the part that usually really horrifies people is that from there, I write out of order and I will just jump around to different parts of the script and work on them mm-hmm. um, until it starts to come into focus. Like in my brain, it's like I want to have the whole thing. And at, when I start, it's really blurry, and then it all comes into focus at the same time until it's a thing. Um, so yeah, yeah that's <laughs> I have to I have to follow a very different process when I'm writing with my sister. But when I'm writing alone, it's very much just like today I'm going to work on this scene, and tomorrow I'm going to work on the ending, and the day after that I'm going to work on the beginning, and just like yeah. bounce does, around. Does she prefer to work more chronologically? I just think you have to when you're doing it with another person. Like yeah. you, you, there's no other way to trade pages effectively. There just isn't. Yeah. Um. So if you're not gonna like sit down and actually write pages together, which I have no idea how anyone would actually do that. Mm-hmm. Um, I've done it before. It's weird. <laughs> yeah. Um. If you're gonna be like, I'll write this scene, you write the scene after, and then we'll trade, and then we'll put it together, and the document gets longer as it goes mm-hmm. along, which I feel like is a more normal process. Like that's what I have to do when I'm writing with someone else. But when I'm writing by myself, I indulge my weird brain that wants to think about every piece of it all at once. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. That's interesting. That's wild to me because I always write <laughs> chronologically. I go scene by scene by scene. I just feel like it's scene. so easy to get stuck that way because. 
It's just like, oh, well, I don't, I'm not really feeling the next scene. Well, if you're not really feeling the next scene, write the one after that, write the next one after that. Like just, yeah. I don't know. No, you're, you're, <laughs> you are right. Like I get, I'm a writer who gets stuck a lot. Like I'm also someone who like, I have a really hard time just like breezing through it. If I don't love what I just wrote on the mm. first draft, I'm like this, which is not a great quality. Um, cause I just like, I can't move on if I'm not happy with it. Even if I'm sitting there like, ah, the scene is almost done, but there's just something off that I don't love. I sit there and try to figure it out and it definitely kills momentum. It's something I'm trying to get better at, but like, I'm just a little OCD about that. And like, I have Mm -hmm. friends who are like, oh, I write entire scenes of dialogue that I know none of that shit's going to be in the movie. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, how do you do it? How do you breeze through like that? Cause I'm like, this line needs to be a perfect joke. I can't move on until it's a perfect joke. Oh my God. Yeah. yeah. You should, I mean, whatever process works, works, but like, it's definitely yeah. like, you know, so-and-so says something witty here, moving on. <laughs> we'll yeah. come back to that later. You yeah. Know? yeah. 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 I know. I've had friends say exactly that, you know, like mm-hmm. uh, there's a funny joke here and then move yep. on. Exactly. Yeah. I know. I need to, I need to get better at that. But um, that's a really interesting way, a really interesting process. One of the more interesting processes I've heard so far. <laughs> Your guest number 36, and that's up there. That's like top three. <laughs> that's up there with the weirdest shit you've ever heard it, in your life. It's like top three. Well, yeah, I mean, it's not that weird, <laughs> but like one guy who you probably know from Twitter, uh, Guy Crawford. Mm-hmm. I know, I know who he is see at his, least. Yeah. See his name around. Yeah, he's a good dude. Um he talked about like sometimes like the first thing he'll do for a script is be like yeah i just the the scene that's gonna pop in my head on page 68 right before like the big like all is lost moment the end of act two kind of thing that'll be the first thing i write because it'll be the scene that i just see in my head and Mm -hmm. i'm like i told him i was like that's crazy like you were (laughs) out of your mind dude but um, but again, to me, I don't it's think just he's insane. out of his mind at all. That yeah, because that's some shit you would do exactly. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And it's that thing too of like you know, there's no rules. Like it's so funny. There are rules and there's no rules at the same time. Absolutely. Um, you should format correctly. That's one of the rules. And I say that until I see some slick script that's so well written and one page is like seven letter word, all vertical letters mm-hmm. down the page, like something really creative and weird. And you're like, holy shit, that's so fucking weird and unique. And why do I love that? I like um, to do little, little touches of that sometimes. Like you can get away with it if it's cool. Like in the first like proper horror script I ever wrote, I made someone's dying words. I made the font of the dialogue really tiny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and oh, I was yeah. just like, I was like, that looks so fucking cool. That's sick. <laughs> like, yeah, I would love that. That would excite me. That's awesome. Like It was just a little touch. On average, how long does it take you for a first draft to be complete? Like from the minute that you say, this is a cool idea. Let's start idea dumping into a word doc. Mm. Um, from that moment until you type the end on the first draft. On the first of, draft? Let, let's say a feature, like, you know, like a 90, 100 page feature. Six months. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Sweet. Like. <laughs> Uh, if I had not, to pick a number, I mean, yeah. uh, like I said, like I, I have a job and a life, so yeah. I can't, I can only churn things out so fast. Like the fastest I've ever written anything was probably when I wrote the Lifetime movie, I had to write the first draft in six weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was really fast for me. And it was mm-hmm. also over Christmas. So there was a lot going on. Um, mm-hmm. And then I had to write the second draft in two weeks. 
they don't give you let me tell you when you don't have a wga contract they don't Uh give you anything like they Uh, don't care (laughs) yeah and i can't imagine being in that situation where it's like i could do so much better work if you guys just gave me a little time and yeah it's not negotiable yeah no Um, they they were happy with the work but i mean yeah it, it definitely was like okay, I guess I'm not thinking about anything else like mm-hmm. at all mm-hmm. for the next right. two weeks. And I and don't were you, wor- were you like working like as that. well? I was, I took, I think I took a couple days off yeah. from my day job. They know, yeah. they know about the screenwriting dream. They all watched mm-hmm. the lifetime movie. They were happy about it. Like it's not, I've worked there for a long time. Um, yeah. and it's like, a, uh, it's a nonprofit. Everyone's a do-gooder. So they're, awesome. they're all about chasing dreams. So. Yeah. Are you comfortable sharing what it is? Mm-hmm. We're at a place called First Place for Youth um, here in Los Angeles, but we also are the headquarters is up in the Bay, and we've been expanding nat- nationally too. And uh, we work with young people who grew up in foster care mm-hmm. and are now ages eighteen to twenty-four, mm-hmm. um, and provide them with apartments and housing around the community, uh, education resources career resources all of that and they're usually in the program for like two or three years until hopefully they can strike out on their own and avoid the you know pipeline to homelessness that is a serious problem here in los angeles um so like i've worked i've i've worked more on like the administrative and fundraising and like project management side of things there um Mm. and yeah, it's great. It's it's actually great to know that like I don't know, I don't want to be like I, I just say like oh I have a day job. Like I have a I have a another career. <laughs> yeah. Is what it like really is, you know? And yeah. it's not what I want to do with the rest of my life, but it's not just like I don't know. It's it's a pretty big part of my life actually, so I shouldn't dis- I shouldn't speak about it dismissively. Well, no, no. I mean, yeah. Uh, uh, you know, uh, you you can call it a day job, and we know that you know it's not a dis- <laughs> it's not a dig. No, that's such so cool. That's such an amazing nonprofit. It sounds like immediately it makes me think of uh, one of my favorite movies, a short term twelve. Oh and, yeah, uh, the cinematographer on that was a friend of mine actually. Brett oh Hall. no way! <laughs> yeah. Oh that's so I cool. Spent a, I spent a week in Corsica with him and his wife earlier this summer. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. <laughs> and a bunch of friends. Yeah, he's a great dude. Yeah. Such a beautiful movie, <laughs> so beautifully shot. And um, but Lakeith Stanfield's character in that is what mm-hmm. you're describing. Like he's yep. turning 18 and they're all worried about him. And uh yeah, m- immediately made my mind go to that. But that sounds like really, really important work, and that's that's amazing. Um cool. So uh also it's just great to hear someone too who has like a realistic window for how long they take to finish a first draft because like <laughs> You know, like you people ever, lie to you, like because I felt like even that was kind of generous. No, no, no. I don't know if people lie. Maybe someone. I don't know. I don't. I don't think so. But like, you know, like the, like you ever seen like some of the hustle mentality kind of shit on like the screenwriting side of Twitter, where it's like people just cranking out features and pilots and like, mm-hmm. uh, sort of. So I've just. I feel like now it's slowed down. Like, I feel like twenty twenty and 2021 screenwriting Twitter was a lot different than it is now. Cause obviously we were all locked up in our homes and we were just losing our minds and living mm-hmm. through Twitter for communication with people. But um, back then I remember seeing stuff like that. That's just like, 
like someone would have like some controversial tweet that would be this screenwriting Twitter drama of the day where it's like, you know, if you take more than three weeks to write a feature, you're never going to be a professional writer or something like that. Send tweet and then just explodes on the Internet with like, you know, people uh, pushing back on it, rightfully so. But like, um, I think that's it's one of the reasons I asked that question. I'm just genuinely curious because we all write at different paces. I'm a slow writer. I'm, I've always been a slow, like I said, you know, I'll think about a joke for six months, but, uh, but like, uh, I, I think it's just cool to hear someone who's like, you know, you're working a day job. You know, I had like, uh, Edith Rodriguez, who's like just fucking killing it right now. And she's, you know, raising teenagers and shit. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, her process is like, when we talk about 20 minute writers, like, I'm just going to get it in real quick. Like I found that a lot of the people I interview who have kids, they like adapt to that. And I think it's so amazing because I'm like, I'm like you, like 20 minutes is my, I'm still like adjusting my chair. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. how am I going to go about doing this? Oh man, yeah. I, sh- I should like, go get a LaCroix or something. Yeah. I have to, I'm still <laughs> waiting for my tea to steep to the perfect level. Like, exactly, you know, I right. can't yeah. possibly, like I yeah. can't possibly work under these conditions, you know? exactly yeah i know it's so insane like we're definitely like uh spoiled in that way but like oh, um, totally yeah i mean yeah I, yeah. yeah but you but you're Not grinding too though is... with sorry go ahead no no i agree yeah like if you if you have kids and you're getting into the dream that we're in it's a it is a whole different ball game for sure like managing time and stuff and it takes me manage uh, interviewing a friend who has kids and is doing the same shit that i'm doing but also raising children and going to work and shit that I'm like, I'm so lazy. dude. I'm such a piece of shit with my time, but uh, you know, it's all good. We're all leading different lives and it's okay. No matter where you are, as long as you're not like a serial killer, you know, yeah, don't do that. Even if it's good research. Yeah, you shouldn't. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Like a method screenwriter, Um, which would be amazing. Um, uh, that would be an amazing story, actually, to read about in the news if they did it like Dexter style and killed people who oh, yeah. deserved it. I'd be OK with it. It'd be really interesting. Um, but, you know, who knows? Learning a lot about. about your moral compass on this podcast. Andy. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Uh, yeah, I'm out of my mind. All right. So on to the next question before we delve too deep into my moral compass. <laughs> um, so when the first draft is complete. What's the first thing do you that you do? You mentioned a writer's group. Yes, um, I have an yeah. amazing writer's group, which mm-hmm. honestly is the thing. More, it was like the combination of figuring out the genres I should actually be writing in, and then getting invited into this writer's group. Um, mm-hmm. That is it was genre game specific. Mm-mm, no, but okay. it's all women. Mm-hmm. Um, and not that there's anything wrong with a man's opinion, no, but sure. our group is all, <laughs> is all women. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, you mentioned to female driven stories are your thing, you know, yeah. so it, it helps. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, yeah, it was probably, it was like mid 2018 that my friend invited me into that group because they had an opening mm-hmm. and that really did inject a level of, um, discipline that i needed at that time mm-hmm. uh to be getting stuff done to turn in and not look like a schlub after mm-hmm. she invited me mm-hmm. um and then also everyone is just so smart like i can't tell you how helpful it is 
to just have people pitch ideas at you and you can use whatever you want. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I mean, it is incredible. I'll be like, how did I not think of that? That's the best fucking idea. And then I get to just use it as if I am the one that came up with it because we're all doing that for each other, you know? Um, So yeah, uh, invaluable. And I had been in a few other writers groups before that, that either didn't last or weren't the right fit for whatever reason. Too many men there, whatever. Kidding, mm-hmm. kidding. Yeah. Um, yeah. For me, they're just talking about the most immoral things you've ever heard in your life. Like they're okay. No, I'm no, no. Kidding. Yeah. No, um, I know. I know. It's okay. But, We're friends here. <laughs> but yeah, writer's group. Yeah. I know easier said than done. Um, took me a long time to find the right group, but like get one if you can get one mm-hmm. for sure. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That's something that I want to do moving forward. I've been in a couple, like you said, they fizzled out. Sometimes they don't work. Um, But yeah, I'm going to shelter this episode too from the army of incels that are going to come after you for these uh, anti-men comments. Oh yeah. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, yeah, For sure. All all the Andrew Tate listeners. Yeah. I'm just going (laughs) to, I'm just going to change your words. I'm going to move them around. So it's like, I I am in a only men's uh, writers group. Uh, <laughs> no, I have like one male writer friend who gives me his male opinion when I need a male opinion. <laughs> yeah, see, there you go. Yeah, no, but I, so I feel go. it though. I totally feel it though, especially like, I mean, there's an actual like, like a historical timeline of women being terribly misrepresented in film and television by male screenwriters. So it's like, it shouldn't be this like, what the, are you serious? Like, <laughs> Like you just look at history and be like, yeah, that makes sense that you'd want to have like that kind of uh, uh, feedback on your female driven stories. It makes sense. Uh, Cause honestly, I might be likely to give you a dumb note that every woman in the room is like, yeah, no, that's not what it's like. And I'm like, Oh, okay. Bye bad. (laughs) I am stupid. And also (laughs) one of my managers is a man and I really respect his opinion. So I'm just just, now I have to backtrack, even though I was joking, 90, 99% I was joking. <laughs> yeah, no, no, that's fine. No <laughs> one's going to come after you. We're all friends here. Um, but I feel you, though, because I have like, you know, the the actual um, feature that's done the most for me <clears throat> is a female protagonist. And, you know, I really valued the the women who read that script and just because mm-hmm. I, I was very intimidated getting into when I was first getting into screenwriting. I had the thought of like, am I only going to write movies with male protagonists? Because Mm. it's like, it's my life experience. It's what I understand. Um, And I was really, really nervous about writing with a female lead. And I did it. And lo and behold, it's like, you know, the most successful thing I've written so far. But, you know, I did get notes here and there that were like, you know, "Ah, that's not really what this is like, whatever, Mm -hmm. you know, and um, and it's invaluable. So, you know having having a a, a, divide, a having a diverse um yeah. group of people you know to give you feedback is so invaluable um oh totally and- i mean in one of my scripts there was a scene where um like an asian man was talking to his mom so mm-hmm. and one one of my friends who's asian was just like okay so an asian person would never speak to their parent like that like get out of your uh-huh. like disrespectful yeah, yeah. white mentality and i was like <laughs> yeah Yes, please. Like these, this is what I need to hear. Like, yeah. please. Like- mm-hmm. It's good too. Yeah. Cause like one, one of my greatest fears as a writer or a filmmaker is terribly misrepresenting something and not finding out until it's done and out and just having that embarrassing moment of everyone being like, how did he fuck that up? 
bad mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. just being like oh my god i didn't know uh like i wish i would have known i wish someone told me that um because it is embarrassing unless you're like just weird super ego person who's like <laughs> ah who you guys are all wrong i'm the one who's right in the room uh but uh oh, what was i gonna say i think i marked off the wrong thing oh um are you still entering contests i'm not still entering contests i feel like contests i was doing because i wanted to get managers and once i got managers i released myself from that cycle so did i i know <laughs> and i've I've wondered too, because I have some, fr- I don't think there's a right or wrong way to do it. And I've had some friends who have managers who continued to submit to like, you know, maybe not as many as they were before, but that was my mentality too, was that contests are going to be my way of hopefully reaching the industry um, from where I am in St. Louis. Um, and my whole goal was to find a manager and that was it. And I've actually stuck to it that once I got a manager, I quit submitting. It's also just hell submitting to those things like they cost money and you really learn to take the rejection a lot easier the more you get rejected mm-hmm. um but it still sucks you should tell me how to do that i haven't gotten to that point yet <laughs> yeah oh i mean i'm talking strictly with contests like everything else still crushes my soul but like i'm just saying i got to a point where like you know in the beginning the first time i ever got rejected um i was like oh my god it was like a knife in the heart it hurts so much hurt so much to my ego and then you know when i was like on the verge of um having some success and getting a manager i would open the email and be like yep okay and just like kind of close it because it's like you know you were not selected to move on and blah 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 because i had just Mm -hmm. seen that enough times that it was just like i'd be opening the email like this is probably going to say you're not selected don't worry about it and then i would and i'd be like yep there it is and anything else was Mm -hmm. a pleasant surprise yeah but yeah, just kind of like, I guess you just, you harden yourself to it a little bit, but like, you know, I got rejected from a film festival last week and yeah, I opened it and closed it. Not a big deal. Like it just, I don't know. I've, I've gotten a lot better at it. I still have heartbreak moments, but I think like the whole lottery gamification of this dream of either film festivals or writing contests yeah. Like that's specifically the type of rejection that I've gotten better at. I've gotten better at losing the lottery, basically. Um, but you know, anyone out there actively entering contests, like, you know, it worked for me. Didn't you say that your manager came as the result of a contest? Oh, I can this is like a long story. Can I tell the story about getting <laughs> yeah, a please. manager? Because please, please. I feel like before <laughs> I had one, and this is mostly talking about like people who are a lot more established. Um, where that moment is further out for them. But like, I've listened to many a screenwriting podcast in my day and Mm. I would feel like they would always gloss over the part you really want to hear, which is how, how did it fucking happen? You know, (laughs) they would be like, they'd be like, so I ended up signing with UTA and I'm like, you ended up like, if you ever use the phrase, I ended up, you just skipped over the part people actually wanted to hear about. Um, How did did it all happen? What was the email like? What was the phone call? Years of fucking trying. Okay, Mm -hmm. so I had my eye on the person I am now signed with for literally like seven years. Her name is Julie Bloom. Wow. Um, And it's at Artwork Entertainment, which is like a little boutique place. And there's there's four managers there. It's really cool because they're all they'll all like pop in, give their opinions. Like I know all of them, but like Julie's like my main person. And I had queried her way back in like 2015 with a horror script I had written and never heard anything back. But I still had her on my list. And I just 
I don't know. I just had a feeling about her because of her client list, because of the projects that they worked on. Like, I was just like, this is the one. Um, and obviously like queried a lot of other places too. And sometimes places would ask for the script and never get back to you. And one time I was really disappointed about a producer who never got back to me. And then later he had some kind of like sex scandal and now he does right wing movies. So, you know, sometimes <laughs> the whole universe is protecting you. Yeah. Um, anyway, so yeah. the script I mentioned earlier, the mission, the sci-fi one I had uh -huh. entered in Austin and it only got to the second round. But when I got the feedback back, the, it was glowing. Like it was like, you couldn't imagine better better things said about your work mm -hmm. and so i was like i'm gonna use these in a query and i mm -hmm. wrote a new query that was basically like this is what people are saying about my script <laughs> and mm -hmm. then it was like a movie ad yeah. like you know, the ending gave me chills like all of that and they requested it right and then i never yeah. hear back but yeah. a few months later was when haven hall came out on that list which I also never submitted myself for kind of like the clad list. It was a friend of mine who submitted me for it because it was more of like an inside industry thing where you had to be at least executive story level editor on executive story editor level on a TV show in order to submit someone for consideration. So she did it behind my back and it got on the list and I used that to email them again and be like, you never got back to me when you requested this script, but now I have another one that's on this list that just came out today. So do you want to read that one too? Yeah. And finally they read both of them and I met with them like the next week and signed with them. Amazing. That, yeah. It was a long, long journey. And so it involved like all the things like people are like, do you do it through contests? Do you do it through queries? Do you do it through friends and networking? And it was like, I had to have all three of those things come together in a way I could not have engineered in yeah, order to yeah, sign yeah. with my fucking managers three yeah. weeks before COVID started. <laughs> oh my God. The timing of it all is also so funny. <laughs> timing uh, of it all, which at the yeah. time felt so devastating, but looking back on it, I'm like, I'm so lucky, man. Mm -hmm. So lucky I managed to get in under the wire. Because yeah. who knows what would have happened while everyone was more worried about the state of the industry than signing new clients, you know? Totally, totally. Yeah, I actually, no, no, I didn't get in before COVID, but it, it was, when was it? December of 21 is whenever I got repped. But um, but it was, I was coming off of uh, going, I told you this on your podcast, I think I placed as a semifinalist in the nickel. And yeah. that's kind of what got me my... Uh, meetings that eventually led to me signing with a manager but yeah you're so right like a lot of podcasts leave that out and i used to have a question that was do you have a manager but then i found if i asked a guest that and they weren't repped it almost felt like a weird moment where it's mm. just like oh you know not yet and it's like oh why would i put you on the spot like that uh so i would end up cutting that question out every time but like i think uh i was i'm so glad that you brought that up because earlier whenever I was going into this, you mentioned having a rep and I was like, mental note, ask her how that came about. Because mm -hmm. it is, it's such an interesting question every time uh, or such an interesting answer that like, I know for me, before I got a manager, any screenwriting podcast that came out interviewing a literary manager, I would be the most excited to listen to that. Because it's mm -hmm. like, tell me, what are you guys looking for? <clears throat> how does it all work on your end? It's such a mystery when you're coming up and you're like, okay, I know I need a manager, but like, 
that I, I don't know anything about it. I don't know how to get to that. Um, people say write queries and it's like, you know, you write a few queries and you get ghosted by everyone just because mm-hmm. that's the nature of the industry. Um, it's such a frustrating thing. So that's cool to hear when it works out. And it was like a, a, a plan that saved you from being represented by the producer of The Sound of Freedom. <laughs> Uh, for sure (laughs) who i think that dude is in some trouble now for sexual misconduct i just saw a story about that but um there's new sexual misconductor every single day every single day i know it's insane um okay so uh all that said um what are some of your hobbies outside of screenwriting that help keep you sane (laughs) um i love baseball um but it it doesn't keep me sane because I'm a lifelong Mariners fan. And so um, it really just brings me nothing but um, heartbreak and bitter disappointment. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I, I, I love a fan though, a diehard of where they come from, no matter the state of the franchise. I love that. I love a fan of, uh, you know, a losing franchise. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not trying, not trying to talk shit. The Cardinals, are gonna finish last, I think, in the entire league. Yeah, this but the year, Cardinals so. have won the World Series mm-hmm. probably like twice in your lifetime, right? So you've been able twice. to at least like see that, you know. 06 so. and 2011. The Mariners are the last team left who've never even been to the World Series. So <laughs> we're talking. Hey, that, that was our Salos Blues. I'm a big hockey fan. Mm-hmm. Um, we came in the league in 1967. We went to the the Stanley Cup final the first three years of our existence, mm-hmm. lost every time. And then didn't make it back until 2019 and we won it all. Um, So it was a 52 year wait or something like that from our inception. (laughs) I wasn't alive, obviously, for all those years, but I've been a blues fan since like 1991 when I was, you know, a kid and came here. Um, But yeah, so I I feel it, you know, like every year you're just rooting for it. Like, come on, man. Every year. No, and and it's very like, it's something that my sister and I share as well. She's a huge, huge fan. And like every year on opening day, it's like texting. This is our year. I know. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And you know, deep down, you're like, no, it's not. And it was like, you just hope. You just hope. Well, last year she was at, she was at the game when they finally clinched a playoff berth for the first time in 20 years. Mm-hmm. And then she was at the game that went fucking 18 innings or whatever it did that they ended up losing. Jeez. And that game was on her birthday. <laughs> oh, <laughs> 18 inning. Like... And she was there the whole time for all 18. Uh, let me tell you, actually, we have never spoken of it because as soon as it happened, I was like, I'm, we will never speak of this. <laughs> That's such a heartbreaker. You were there for two full games. Like the most significant lose. games last season. Um, the be- the biggest high of the season and the lowest low of the season. Like she was there for both of them. Um, yeah. And I would have been too if I still lived in Seattle. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. But I just watched on TV and cried. But it's fine. No, sports are crazy. Like I love being a sports fan because I just love... I mean, I feel like it's very much the same as loving movies. Like I love feeling things. I just love yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> I just love having all the feelings. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause there it, are, there are dramatic storylines to every oh, season. And baseball, and every sport. The, this yeah. is what I'm, this is what I'll say about baseball. Like I know people want to make the game shorter. They want to do the pitch clock. They want to do all this. I'm like the time in between when stuff is happening, when you just see the guys interacting on the field and you're hearing the announcers talk about them or whatever. I mean, this is, this is an epic story that we're telling here, people, Mm -hmm. you know, like this is like, 
this is the good stuff. Okay. Like that's why I give a shit when he hits the home run, because I know <laughs> what his childhood dog was named from the announcer talking <laughs> about it. Yeah. You know, like that's why baseball is like my, my pure sport of choice is because of all of the stuff that they're trying to get rid of. So I'm just like a bitter yeah. old boomer about, about that. Yeah. God, that would be funny for you to have a podcast with like just some random old man who's like 68 and talk baseball like the good old days. (laughs) That'd be so funny. I would love that. (laughs) Um, But no, yeah, I actually I've said this before with a couple sports fans who came on here that uh, I had Saeed Crumpler on here and we talked about his love for baseball, too. And we just talked about his writers. Like, I think one of the reasons I love watching sports as someone who focuses on narrative story all day is that like it's something i can watch and kind of turn that part of my brain Mm. off a little bit i know we talked about storylines and everything but that's not like narrative you know story um per se Mm -hmm. and uh yeah i have like a theory that that's just like a really nice thing for me because sometimes at the end of a writing day or writing session the last thing i want to do is watch a movie or a tv Mm -hmm. show i'm good um i want to watch like master chef or like yeah. fucking some YouTube video of people fails, you know, just falling <laughs> off ladders and shit. Uh, yeah, that's it, it, I think we need to turn off that part of our brain sometimes. I agree. Yeah. yeah. Yes. For sure. Um, other hobbies. Um, yeah, please. <laughs> OK, um, I love restaurants. I love going out to eat. And my uh, my best friend lives in the same building as me. And that's like mm-hmm. our thing that we like to do is, you know, go out and try new restaurants. L.A. is such like a good, good, good food city. Um, yeah. And I bought a record player recently. So going Ooh. to record stores has become like a new new hobby but at first I thought I was gonna be like I'm only gonna buy like my favorite albums of all time and I'm gonna have this beautiful like capsule collection mm-hmm. and that lasted like a day before I was like get me in the dollar bin to buy like the weirdest shit I can find you know yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. my, what I've been into lately is like weird 70s country compilations Ooh. like i I bought one the other day called Hillbilly Heaven. And uh-huh. I was just like, this is going to be incredible. And it was. Yeah, so. yeah I bet. <laughs> I, I love older cr- country, especially like steel guitar shit, oh, like yes. lap, lap yes. steel. That's one of my favorite interest, instruments. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's awesome. And like new music, discovering new music on vinyl hits different. Like, it's just so much more mysterious than, like, looking up a random band on Spotify. It is mysterious, and it's, like, like it only costs a few bucks. I'm buying it on a whim, and then once you put it on, like, I'm going to play it through. You know, I'm not going to, like, skip. I'm not going to, you know, get impatient or whatever. Like, listening to the record is the activity, you know? And you look (laughs) at the the case that it came Mm -hmm. in and the art. Like, that's Mm -hmm. one thing I hate about streaming is... um. I remember being a kid and going to, you know, a CD store when like, you know, like, I mean, full transparency, like a new Limp Biscuit CD came out or something when I was in like fifth grade and I, I was there day one. And but you would whatever CD it was, you buy the CD and you go home and pop it in the CD player. And then you look at the booklet inside the CD case and you look at all the cool pictures and you read the lyrics. Remember when all the lyrics were listed in oh there? Oh, my God um and now i have yeah. to google it and trust that someone like transcribed it right like come on yeah unlike a to z lyrics which just looks sketchy it's like this was <laughs> this this isn't right there's no way 
but um but yeah and like you just i don't know man it doesn't hit the same and you on a cd you have to put in effort to switch albums on spotify you can just skip all around and like i don't know i i believe in listening to albums beginning to end and like you know hearing what the artist wanted you to hear this is ter- quickly turned into a boomer podcast <laughs> very quickly <laughs> but um but you know you talking about that just brought that out in me that like yeah it's we've we've lost something in the streaming age that you know used to be there and i don't love it all the time sometimes i love the convenience of it but yeah i do feel like i discover a lot of stuff but i've been trying to get back into actually like purchasing the album even if it's the digital version from artists that i really want to support and like Mm -hmm. being mindful of that that spotify is not paying them anything right um definitely because I want them to keep making more music. Yeah. One one thing that's great for it, I wonder if you do this. When I start a new project, sometimes I'll just find songs from all across uh, Spotify, all across music uh, that fit thematically to like a script mm-hmm. I'm writing. Like if it's like a breakup movie, I'm like Googling what are the best breakup songs? What are the best weird indie breakup songs? What are the best 70s country breakup songs and like compiling a playlist and then i'm not even listening to it while writing but i'll like go on a walk and be thinking about my script and just play those songs and be like seeing a scene in my head to that song spotify is amazing for that because you can just dabble in and out of stuff Mm -hmm. and like it's really easy to do i've never done that but it sounds like a great procrastination tool (laughs) oh yeah exactly yeah you're talking to the king um Okay, so uh, moving on, though, uh, all great hobbies. So of the scripts that you've written, which is your favorite and why? I'm making you pick a baby. No, the mission is my favorite. Um, I don't even like all my other babies can go fuck themselves. No, I'm just kidding. I like my whole (laughs) portfolio, um, but that's the one like that's the one where if I'm feeling bad about myself, I pull it up and I read it and I'm like, I fucking did that thing. Like that is good shit. (laughs) That's incredible. um, Can I ask why it's one of the ones that wasn't in your bio? Um, just because it, it it never like won anything, so it doesn't okay, yeah. tie into like you know when yeah. I'm trying to make it's like and she wrote one awesome script that never did anything. Right, <laughs> right, right, and that's how it goes sometimes. Your favorite thing is uh-huh. like I don't know why people um, didn't respond to it, but I love it. It's my shit. Oh man, there was like one moment where I had a meeting about that script at Higher Ground, the Obamas uh company. What? Not with not with them, obviously, but with their like you it's know, just Barack and Michelle, DP of creative or whatever, like had read it and really liked it, and we met, and I kind of like mini pitched her about what the show would be. You know, it wasn't like a proper pitch or anything, and mm. I was just like, oh, I just really had the fantasy in my head that I was gonna like sell it to to higher ground and become besties with the whole Obama family or whatever. Oh, but my God. you know, it didn't happen. Um, but yeah, I like it. A lot of my stuff is um very ensemble uh-huh. and i just love the characters in that one so much so it takes place on um in like 2055 on a, a space colony on a moon of jupiter where uh-huh. they are attempting to make a utopia and uh-huh. then uh, another ship crashes on the moon and against all like a th- all rules a small group of the citizens in the society rescue these people when they're not supposed to let anyone in. And then like, you know, the domino effect of them breaking this rule and, Mm. you know, letting, letting a sort of um, contagion into the, (laughs) 
yeah. <laughs> into the colony. Um, and yeah. it has it has flashbacks. Like I really envisioned it being sort of like a lost style show where like every episode would be about one of the characters and you would get their flashback story of them back on earth and how they ended up there and all these things. And I don't know. I just think, I think it's really, really good. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> I love lost. Mm-hmm. I feel like uh, that show that was... has been hated on more since it's been off the air. Cause I used to have, ending, really. <laughs> I used to have in my Twitter bio. Um, uh, what did it say? It said like, lost finale defender as like one of my <laughs> like things yeah. about me <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because i yeah. actually think the ending of lost is really beautiful um so yeah, it was so controversial <laughs> i actually want to revisit it weirdly lost was one of the first like one hour dramas that i like really got into um for years in like my teens and 20s i was like just a skateboarder and i was just like kind of not watching a lot of tv and even movies were spotty for me i was just like watching skate videos and skating and like stuff like that um so it's been that was one of the first ones i really fell in love with but i wasn't a writer or a filmmaker wasn't even thinking about that at the time so i really want to go back and see what i think of not only the whole series but like the ending and how it wraps up from my writer brain now and then we'll we'll do part two of this pod it's very very uh it's very character and theme driven it's not about answering all the narrative questions i think that's why people didn't like it but i don't i don't care about any of that i care about my characters (laughs) yeah um yeah yeah, Yeah. like that's but i'm sure that's the most that is the most formative show for me that and i Mm -hmm. obviously buffy but like every writer my age every female writer my age especially buffy Buffy. was a big one um and like specifically Jane Espenson, who used to write her blog about how to be a TV writer, which was one of the first times I ever read about like what TV writing was actually like. Mm. Um, and when she used to make you um, actually write a letter into like a PO box task or a question. Oh, really? <laughs> she answered my question once about what spec script I should write um, for the ABC Disney Fellowship. And what I felt say? really happy about that. Um, I ended up writing. I ended up writing a spec "How I Met Your Mother." Oh, cool. Yeah. I loved so, How I Met Your Mother. Yeah, which I reread a couple of years ago and it wasn't as terrible as I feared it would be. I was like, That's... oh, this is going to be embarrassing that I ever even thought to enter this in anything. Yeah. Um, but it was, it was only mediocre. It wasn't, it wasn't that bad. Yeah. Um, nice. That's yeah. cool. That's uh <laughs> man. I didn't even realize the Obamas had a production company. I knew that it's, mm. is it Sasha or Malia who's involved in film right now? Malia. She wrote on Malia. like Donald Glover's new show or something. Yeah. Was it is Atlanta? Right? I don't remember. I thought I it might remember, have been like yeah. the most recent season of Atlanta, but I could be wrong. It might've been I a different show. I feel like it was a different thing that they were doing for Amazon, but now I'm like, uh, oh. I just don't, I don't want to say anything wrong. You're right. Um, no, it was, it was a different show that I didn't catch, but it wasn't yeah. Swarm, was it? It was Swarm. Well, I think it was Swarm, but I couldn't tell you. (laughs) Uh, I wanted to watch that show. It's like, yeah, even now, again, talking shit on streaming, I hope that any streamer (laughs) will pick up anything I make. But um, it's like, yeah, there's just so much stuff coming out all the time. There's so much stuff. Yeah. Um, And it's it's hard. Like, it's, it's especially hard to have, like, warm feelings about any of these companies right now. But, like. Right. 
a, a friend of mine was taking a new job that had absolutely nothing to do with writing or anything, but she was, she was taking a job at Amazon and feeling ambivalent about it. And I was just kind of like, if Amazon had wanted to buy my show when we pitched it to them, like, mm-hmm. I can't tell you how fast I would have taken their evil money. So like, please do not eat. feel bad. And you have yeah. two children. So you have a real reason to like need more money. Like, I just want the glory of it. Right. Right, right, <laughs> I just right. want to tell my story. Um, yeah. Yeah, but it's hard. And it was hard, like, ugh, I don't know, not to get into it, but like the whole like thing about the writers on Lost being really mistreated by Damon Lindelof and everything, mm-hmm. all of that that came out. Like that was like, that was really rough for me to hear because like The Leftovers is also one of my favorite shows of all time. And mm-hmm. like Watchmen and then even Mrs. Davis was so fucking good. Like if I could have picked one person to be like, that's my dream person to work with, it would have been Damon Lindelof. And now I'm like, yeah. Ugh. Oh, what sucks too is like you know? not to not to pour salt in the wounds, but then the Joss Whedon stuff and Buffy. Oh yeah, like, I already had already gone through all of that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. Just, yeah, <sighs> Never have TV. heroes. Never have heroes. Yeah. Yeah. It's um. <laughs> what is a recent accomplishment that you're proud of? It could be screenwriting related, but it doesn't have to be. Hmm. I have such a hard time being proud of myself. <laughs> yeah me too um which is weird because i will i will be like oh my god i wrote this thing it's so great but then as soon as someone else is like saying anything i'm just like no i'm terrible (laughs) i don't know something's deep-seated in my childhood where like i don't know how to be praised um no i'm the exact same way that's so interesting because i've been thinking about that the last few days is that like when i have an accomplishment i'm like i should be proud of myself and a part of me is but a part of me is like cool that's done let's move on to the next thing like not taking the time to be proud i remember since i told the whole story about signing with my manager i'll tell a little like you know coda to that which is like i come out of the beating I call my friends who I've mentioned several times, Lynn Sternberger. She's one of the best people in the world. She was the one who like, you know, recommended me for the list and all of that. And I was like, mm-hmm. they want to sign me. And she's ecstatic. Like, she's like, meet me at the bar immediately. I get there. She literally has like a bottle of champagne on ice and everything. And I was just well, like dead inside. Like, <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. like All I could think about was, but why did it take so long instead mm. of like actually being proud of myself? Like it was like a, it was like a, I need therapy kind of moment. Yeah, <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it is really, it's really hard for me. Um, like it was hard for me with my friends wanting to make a big deal about the Lifetime movie coming out. Like I, yeah. I didn't like want to, I don't know. I didn't know how to process yeah. it. Um, Do you get like uncomfortable in those situations where it's like, let's celebrate you because i do yeah and it's not because i like don't like like being the center of attention because if it's like my birthday or something then oh yes you know like but like i don't know i just guess i just i feel so strongly that i should be further along by now that like every win feels like uh, i don't know it's hard to feel like a true win because i'm just like okay well now now i have to turn that into something else and hopefully even faster than before I feel um, that. I feel that big time. And that is very sad for the both of us. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> no, I, I feel that big time. Um, yeah. 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 Um, and it was, it's not just with writing, like, um, cause I've spoken about my job. I had, I'll, I'll say this for my, for what I'm proud of myself. Like I had a really, really good annual review and got like a good raise. And, oh, but nice. my boss was like saying nice things about me. And I was just like, I need this to stop. <laughs> yeah, that's how I am. I know. And it's like, 
Yeah, I don't know what it is. It's um, but you're right. It's it's a it's an issue personality wise. <laughs> like it's something I need to go like work on. No, because I want to um, be like gracious about accepting people's support of me as a person. Mm-hmm. I don't want to think I like don't deserve that, but uh, yeah. it is, it's a rough one. Like I literally don't know what to say. I know. Me situations. And I'll like go overboard and be like, oh no, I'm a, I'm a piece of shit. It's, it's all good. <laughs> like we don't, let's not pretend here. They're like, no, you're not. And I'm like, don't do that. Don't do that. Then you're pitched. just like fishing for no, compliments now. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right. I know. Yeah. It's, it's really a weird thing. That's, that's super interesting. Cause I totally, <laughs> agree i don't even know if i've heard a screenwriter vocalize that the way that you did but that resonates so much with me. <laughs> um like you know some people have like a praise like kink i'm like i'm the opposite dude i'm like please don't please don't uh, i can't deal with that uh okay so um see where are we at okay oh we've reached the last question oh okay so brandy sperry um, what are a few words of advice to your fellow screenwriters out there, especially to those just getting started? Okay, I'm gonna give I'm gonna give a really specific and actionable piece of advice. Please do. And this is for anybody out there who's writing a script that is set in the present day. Mm-hmm. I want you to go into that script and I want you to cut every fucking pop culture reference that you made. <laughs> mm, <laughs> like, yeah. Get it out. Um yeah. just Think of something funnier. I know you can do it. And mm-hmm. I know you have those references in there because I've been you. Mm-hmm. Um, and you need to get them out because it will date your script so much faster than you think it will. Yep. And you never know who's going to be the next sexual predator. You <laughs> so don't want to have any references at all. Yep. Um, when Shauna and I had to go back and, and update like family to send it out again, um, this is another Another long story, but it's funny, I promise. Uh-huh, yeah. um, the original version had like a running gag about uh, like a teen beat poster of Devin Sawa from like 1996 uh-huh. that was in this like beach house that the that the all the friends are at in this vacation that they're taking in the movie. Yeah. That was like Casper era. Devin yeah, Sawa. yeah, yeah. Like now yeah. and then we had yeah, a whole yeah, yeah. we had a bunch of references to now and then, which was like a very, you know, for, like formative film about female friendship um Uh, you know women don't get a lot of those yeah i just saw a friend of mine post that the other day on their story like fucking love this movie yeah yeah um so yeah it was it was an homage to him or whatever and then and it was it wasn't just like a joke like it was like a running thing in the in the script and our protagonist would like talk to the picture and this whole thing and then we had a gag at the end that we had written to like go over the credits where Devin Sawa shows up and they meet Devin Sawa. So when the the script came out on the glad list, which was on whatever lunar new year was that year, 2020, I remember Mm -hmm. because we were Mm -hmm. like out celebrating that. And I was like, I'm going to tweet at Devin Sawa Mm -hmm. and I'm going to ask him to read the script. Mm-hmm. And he responded and uh, I fucking like DM'd with Devin Sawa. He gave me his personal email. Like he read the script. He said he would do it. Like this was the best day of my life. <laughs> oh my <laughs> like, God. Yeah. He, he is pretty interactive or at least he was on yeah, Twitter. I remember yeah. seeing that. Um, yeah. so he's in so many of movies I love. Like, SLC like just Punk imagine the person weird. that you had like the big crush on when you uh-huh. were like 12 and now yeah. you're like texting with them and they sent you a heart emoji yeah. and how you would feel. Yeah. It's and, like Topanga uh, for me, I think. Danielle <laughs> official. That's a yeah, good one. For sure. That's a yeah. good one. Um, yeah. 
but then we had to cut all of it like in the new version we had to cut devin sawa and it made me so sad Wait, but why? we had to, because it's such a specific time that like if the script was set in 2019 if we want the characters to be the same ages that they are which we do we oh, can't like we can't set reference. it in 2023 because yeah. like the difference of four years at that age group when you're like 11, 12, it's, yeah. it's, you know, I have friends who are a few years younger than me and they're talking about like Zoe 101 or whatever. And I'm just like, I I, I was in high school by then. I had a driver's license. I wasn't watching that shit. Same. <laughs> a bunch of the people I collab with on film stuff are like 30 and I'm 35. And yeah. uh, that gap is ridiculous. I'm like, it's a yeah. lot when you're talking about childhood stuff and we had yeah. made it so important it was unraveling it was really tough and then mm. i was also like and now if it ever gets made i don't get to meet devin oh my <laughs> god that's a heartbreaker and it all worked out i feel like there's a no there's not never mind there's i was, like, no I feel, way. I was, was like i feel like there's a way to make it work because god that's such a cool connection all right so what you gotta <laughs> do is just take that bit and put it in something else where time doesn't matter yeah, uh, yeah. and incorporate devin sawa coming into your movie because that's pretty mm -hmm. awesome i know um that's crazy um, so that that was what happened and that's why i never want to go through anything like that again and we're we're updating another script we wrote too where we had just like it, the main character's a musician and we put a bunch of like songs in there like you can reference mm -hmm. a song if you want to but do not make it plot specific like just whatever yeah. you do <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, if yeah. you want the vibe that's fine if it's a plot point think of something very 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 classic or make up something make up yeah. something fictional yeah i know uh a feature of mine uses social media and originally um we it was twitter and then i changed it to tiktok because it made more sense there's a lot of video stuff going on in the script and then tiktok was having like a supreme court hearing about maybe being removed from the united states mm -hmm. And I was like, holy shit, this kind of uplifts that. And I was like, maybe I just go back to it being Twitter. And now Twitter is X. And it's like, fucking, <laughs> just can't win with. I know it's going to become dated at some point. Like, I've, I've just accepted that because yeah. that is like kind of a, a necessary thing. The social media aspect of this movie, mm -hmm. um, which just sucks. You're right. I could make a fictional social media oh, yeah this is why in movies they're always on like datasearch.com like right something like that i know what sucks is that i really want this movie to be like super hyper realistic like they go on a daytime talk show and it's an actual existing talk show and the goal is to hopefully get that talk show to let us you know be a part mm -hmm. of the movie the way sometimes you would see like letterman or leno or conan be in a movie you know playing mm -hmm. themselves um but yeah i don't know there's no way around that but i agree a lot of stuff like if you're just like making jokes about like you know fucking whatever sublime you know or whatever <laughs> uh it's like yeah. yeah the kid the kids aren't gonna know they're just not gonna get it they're um, not gonna get it and a lot of these creative execs out there are in their 20s too mm -hmm. um Very like I've, I've felt super old on a few different calls that i've had where i'm just Me like oh too. my god i just looked at your linkedin and you graduated college in 2019 <laughs> it, it's the case with most i feel yeah. like it, it's very rare that you're talking to like someone over 30 yeah because like that i mean these are the people who are taking the meetings where it's just like hi how you how are you like cup of coffee meeting you know yeah. um yeah it's the do not give that person anything 
when you're in the meeting, okay? It's like you take that and then I get that person. <laughs> yes. like, hey, how you doing? Cool. See ya. No, mm-hmm. Probably never talk to you again. Yeah. Bye. Yeah. Those um, meetings are fun when you kind of know right off the bat. Oh, this is not. This is going to be nothing. <laughs> this is just me talking to a person for the only time ever. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's still fun. But okay. Yeah. Uh, I think that's great advice, though, to um, uh, up and coming writers, because you can fall in that trap pretty easily like the only way around that is like if you're actively writing on a tv show is like oh yeah, yeah of use course. all if the current gonna be stuff like, yeah out soon yep definitely all right well brandy sperry that was great thank you so much for returning the favor and coming on my podcast uh we're gonna have my episode of brandy's podcast piece of work out on her podcast on <laughs> apple Podcasts. And then uh, this one will, of course, be on mine. But do you have any plugs that you want to plug? Like, you know, where can people find you on Twitter, Instagram, if you want that? If you don't, that's okay. Ooh, yeah, um, I have my own little, you know, I've never tried to, like, build a following on Twitter. But if people mm-hmm. want to follow me there, um, it's we Brandy, O-U-I-B-R-A-N-D-I. Mm-hmm. Um, we as in yes in French. Yeah. Um, and that is it. I think it's the same on Instagram. Um, yeah. And then like brandysperry.com has some links to like my podcast and then a couple other podcast projects I did in the past. Um, for a long time, I co-hosted a podcast called Downton Gabby, which started out as a Down Abbey fan podcast and then just kind of became like a feminist pop culture chat show. Nice. Um, and every once in a while we bust out a new episode, even though we're like retired and we might do it again just because season two of the Gilded Age is going to start. And that's like the same guy who did Down Abbey. So we always have to talk yeah. about Julian Fellows, Uncle Julian. Um So yeah, that's where you can find me. Nice. Awesome. Thank you again for coming on. This was really fun. Thank you. All right, y'all. Episode 36 is in the books. I want to thank Brandy Sperry for coming on the show today. It was a great episode. Great chat. She's very funny, very sharp, very witty, and has a lot of good experience. And thank you for sharing it with all of us. Um... Guys, if you like the episode, please say something about it online on Twitter or Instagram. Post about it. Tweet about it. Uh, tag us up at Social Writer Pod. I really appreciate it. It just kind of helps me try to grow the podcast. Um, if you liked what you heard and you want to donate to the show, you can go to at Social Writer Pod and go to the Linktree link. And there's a link for a PayPal donate thing and you can donate. I feel like I'm not really making a ton of sense on this one. I'm extremely exhausted. Like I said, you know, trying to do a bunch of short films. Uh, I have no energy, but I knew I had to get this one out. I actually have another episode already recorded that I'm going to drop in like a week. Uh, as long as I get it <laughs> edited, you know, uh, things are pretty busy. And as I said, in 16 days, we go into production on the next short, the final short of the year. Um, but that's why if I sound a little dumb at times, that's what's going on. Um, I appreciate you guys listening. I appreciate you sticking it out. Um, if there's anything I can do to help you just know that I can't, I'm too busy. I don't have time. I'm, I'm, I don't have time for my own health or myself right now. So, you know, you got to find someone else, uh, or I'm sorry. Uh, that's all I really got guys. Uh, really appreciate listening. Um, keep listening, you know, go back and listen to old episodes. Uh, I really appreciate that too. 
Um, stay cool out there. Stay supporting SAG in their fight for fair rights with the AMPTP. Um, you know, keep chasing the dream. Keep doing the work. That's what I'm over here doing. It's making me lose my mind, but I wouldn't have it any other way. All right. I love you guys. Thank you. Bye-bye. The Social Screenwriters Podcast.